Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. I hope everyone had a great holiday season and you were able to connect with loved ones and get out for some nice winter adventures. If you're like me, you're already thinking about spring and summer adventures. So we're going to kick off this year with a great topic. And it's one of the GR footpaths in Spain, the GR92. Here to tell us about it is Angelina, one of the creators behind uh, the Walking Nature World YouTube and Instagram channel who walked the GR92 in the spring of 2022. Hi, Angelina. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Richard. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very excited for our talk. I'm excited because I don't know anything about the GR92 until I watched your videos, but it, it it's a pretty interesting trail. So can you maybe just share like what is the GR92 and like what is even a GR for people that don't know? The GR trails in general, it's like the set of many trails around Europe, which can start and end at any place. So, and mo most of them are long distance hikes. You can find any GR trail in every Europe country, I think. And the GR92 specifically, everyone knows the long distance treks in Spain, like the routes to Compostela, but uh, this is a bit different. It's a different part of Spain. Yes, the GR92 is less known, I think. Uh, and it is actually a very long trail. I've just recently um, discovered myself that it is over 800 kilometers long, which starts in Bordeaux, Spain, at the French border and ends in Tarifa, Spain. But it is usually done in parts. And the Catalonian part in particular that we've done, the Costa Brava area, uh, is one of the most popular, I think. So, and we covered the distance of 220 kilometers in total on our hikes. And we started in Argeux-sur-Mer, France, the first time around, and finished in Caracas. And then we got back to it the next year uh, to continue hiking to Lloret de Mar in Catalonia. So what is hiking in in that that part of the world like you know is, is is it you know rugged mountains or foothills is it always having sea views yeah the sea coast views are splendid there so it's like one of the highlights for sure of the trail um but also the terrain is quite mountainous it's it's quite hilly uh, and we loved it for that because it wasn't boring and flat all the way <laughs> so you actually get to experience like the flat parts and more hilly parts, which is like, makes it more exciting, I guess. You've done a lot of uh, trekking in Europe. What drew you to the to the GR92? You know, when you were thinking of where should we go next, out of everything, why did you pick, pick it? Yeah, the first time around, actually, it uh, was uh, the first long distance hike that we'd, we've ever done. So uh, it was a pretty easy choice for us because we lived in Catalonia back then. We just thought maybe we should attempt to go closer to the coast. It will be the easier option to take for, you know, first um, long distance hike, right? That was our thoughts <laughs> um, behind that. I didn't realize it was your first one. So so this kind of, obviously you did this first uh, trek and then it seemed to like ignite a passion because you've done a lot since, since then. D did you always know you wanted to do something like this or did you just one day say, hey, let's go try a long walk and see what happens? 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think we've started with the day hikes, just as most of the people do. Uh, we've seen the great potential in it. So we've seen like um, what it does to us, like what benefits it has. And so, yeah, one day we said, why not to, you know, to sign up for some long distance hike uh, and, and chose the JAR 92. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a nice option for a beginner can be, yeah. You talk about the benefits of day hikes and everyone kind of has a different reason uh, or not everyone, but there's lots of different reasons to hike. Like what are the benefits you experience from hiking or trekking? Yeah. Well, the day hikes are a bit different from the long distance hikes, of course. Right. Because uh, if to talk about the long distance hikes, I think um, it is all about the routine. It is all about you being um, disconnected from your daily hustle and routine and being in a completely different environment, you know, learning more about the places around. There is an excitement of discovering new places and learning more information and also having, you know, simple lifestyle, you know, down to earth lifestyle. I think this is what we love the most about it. Just um, and also camping, <laughs> you know, taking the camping gear with us. This is what we prefer to do. Like when we hike uh, long distance, we always take the camping gear with us. I echo a lot of those. It is just nice just not to have to worry about emails coming in or phone calls or meetings. It's just, you know, backpacking or trekking. You're just kind of on your own. Uh, I'm interested about camping. And so I know when I've done some of my through hikes in Europe, like campgrounds can be really expensive. Like often it was more expensive, you know, to get a campground than to just get in a mountain hut. I never wild camped, uh, but I know there's a growing group of people that, you know, you just get up in a nice little location, a forest or in a mountain coal, and they'll just pitch their tent and kind of do like the night nighttime bivouac. What did you do for your uh, for your camping? Actually, we first started uh, to camp wildly. So say like stealth camping. We tried it uh, in Pyrenees because this is where we lived uh, back then. And this is where it all started actually to us, this passion for hiking and long distance hiking, especially because there is lots of tracks that you you know can take there. Yeah, and it was, you know, very stressful experience. And actually like on the journey to two, we uh, right on the first day we, we stumbled upon the situation where we had to wild camp like the first night around <laughs> and it was extra stressed uh, we had to uh, camp right at the vineyard so this is the only flat spot we found because it as i said the terrain is is quite hilly and uneven so um we had to stretch further and further and just finally found the spot and but we were very like say uh very extra stressed so uh but in the end, you know, it turned out one of the brightest memories to us because uh, the morning was very beautiful. We had like the bay uh, with drifting yacht in front of our eyes and the sun coming out of the sea and everything. So it was just perfect. But at the start, it wasn't, you know, it, it was a struggle. And, and so as, as you went on, did you keep uh, wild camping or did you start to stay in like registered campgrounds? Yeah. And then most of the time we stayed at the campgrounds which are, which there is no shortage of them. So you can find the campground like every, I don't know, 15 kilometers, 10 kilometers with no problem. So this is what we opt for. We think it's like, just like the easier and also more safe option <laughs> to say. And because we would discourage doing wild camping actually on JAR 92 because of the same reason, the mountain Australia and also uh, how populated are the areas. This is like, um, yeah, not good. Lack of water sources. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that was actually one of my questions is, does the GR92 kind of go through a village? Like, like it's are you going through villages every few hours or is there a village a day? What's it like for like resupplying? And like, I always like getting a, like a meal or a coffee or, you know, a pastry or something. How often can you do that on this one? Uh, yeah, exactly. So you stumble upon the uh, town uh, in the middle of the day, at the end of every day at least, you know, to say the least. But so there is no problem to resupply your food or water. So you don't have to bring the big, a huge supply with you. And this is one tip we can give. Don't, you know, take much weight with you. Uh, just keep the backpack light because it's, you know, there is no uh, reason for that. For that, You don't need that much stuff. Uh, I remember my very first GR, I had an 85 liter backpack and you talk about wild camping. I was, I'd been working in London and living, you know, a London lifestyle and I did the GR 10 and the first day I literally like, I'd been walking for like six or eight hours. And finally I just like, I can't move. I set up, I set up my tent right on the path. Turns out it was five minutes from where the mountain hut was, but yeah, I had like, I, I had like just this massive backpack and I had so much junk in there. Um, uh, I'm no longer like that. That, uh, but yeah, it's like uh, if you can if you can go lighter, it makes it a lot a lot nicer. Exactly. <laughs> uh, in these villages, if, like I know a lot of people, they don't like the camping experience. Can you stay in B and Bs and guest houses and hotels if you want to do it that way as well, or is it really you know best done with that with a tent? Well, as I said, this is just our preference, but of course the hostels I think is another alternative. So. Because you have so many towns on the way, you can stay there too, no problem. And um, you don't even need to book in advance, I think, if you go out of season. So like, say, in spring or autumn, because it's not that crowded and populated. Then. But in summer, it is a must. Of course, you need to plan it more in advance. This is why we love also, I think, to go with the tent, because the campgrounds normally, you still can can find the you know a little spot for a tent, right? Even though it's like can be really crowded with people. So... It's, it gives you more flexibility, I guess. But yeah, the hostels or Airbnbs, as I said, it's yeah another option. A, a nice thing when you go on these coastal walks, you know, in general, summer is not a pleasant time to go walking along any of the Mediterranean coast. It gets really hot. Uh, that's also when all the hotels are booked. Everything's expensive. But if you go in spring or autumn, you get kind of this beautiful weather if you're coming from Canada or, or you know northern Europe. Uh, or the States, it's like, well, hiking in 18C weather or 15C weather is actually really nice and it's sunny and uh, everything is is wide open. Uh, what month did, did you go and what was the weather like when you did it? Yeah, we hiked the first time around, we hiked uh, at the end of April, start of May. And then the second time it was the autumn, so September uh, month, end of September. Um, and I would highly recommend that actually spring was one of our favorite seasons to go because of the just beautiful blooms and blossoms around. This is what was very bright and colorful and it's our favorite season to go. But autumn is also great. You mentioned it's really hilly and I've actually found like some walking in really hilly areas can actually be really tough. You know, people think, okay, the Canadian Rockies or the, you know, the Alps are tough, but you kind of go up these steady inclines. You just kind of go uphill for two or three hours and it's tough, but you know, it's never super steep. Whereas like, you know, I remember walking around the English coastline where it's hilly and like, you have really, really punchy, steep, you know, like really, really tough uphills. They're not as long, but uh, I think sometimes these coastal walks can be really tough. What's the GR92 like? Is it, is it kind of punchy and really tough or is it kind of more gradual and something that is, you know, you guys were beginners, but obviously in good shape. Is this, is this a good beginner uh, through hike? 
it depends on the part that you're doing, of course, but if to talk about the Catalonian part in general, uh, there are some flat parts and some hilly parts to say. So the, uh, some flat parts are re really long, so going along some towns or cities, and then you have just mountain range to go through, which is like, can be very different. But I wouldn't say that is too punchy, as you said. It's maybe there are some some parts of it like that, but not all the time, not all the time. So you get a nice variety of, of terrain. When you think back, like, what are some of the highlights, especially, you know, for people who haven't been in, you know, that part of Spain, you know, what can they expect that's going to kind of blow them away? Well, I think the sea coastal views are wonderful. This is the, the main highlight and I can repeat it many times uh, because it's always like, uh, can be quite different. The coast is, can be rocked or flat, as I said, or you have like lots of cute coastal towns on the way too, which can be very different. But also a number of hidden beaches is wonderful, actually. Uh, so you get to discover many, you know, corners of the paradise, <laughs> I would say, uh, with, you know, also different sand or rocks or, yeah. So, so these are just some, some of the highlights. Um, and also, I don't know, it, it can also become the cultural experience, actually, because there you have many, like, historical museums, for example, on the way or castle ruins, churches. Uh, so you have many cultural attractions to visit on the way. And obviously you have the great food and wine and all of those things that yeah. uh, if you're coming from North America or from England, you know, you can't easily get. Exactly. You can enjoy that too, because there's lots of service and bars and restaurants. Yeah. Along the coast. And so I didn't realize the GRNA2 was so close to the coast. And so, you know, when you're going along the path, you can just, if it's a hot day, you could just go and jump into the sea if you wanted. Like, is, is it, is exactly. it that often that you're, you know, you're going like right by the beaches that you can just go and have a break on the beach? Yes, it is actually highly recommended. So like in the middle of the day or at the end of the day, especially it feels so nice and refreshing, uh, especially in autumn because the, you know, temperature is nice and warm. Uh, but also in spring, it's possible. I mean, it's cooler, but uh, yeah, can be can be done also easily. Also, I just wanted to mention that we chose to deviate from official track actually, JR ninety two, very often because we favored the hike, hiking close to the coastline. So to us, it was like uh, the goal. Like <laughs> we uh, and we encourage people to do that because um, then you get to experience, as we said. Um, you can find lots of hidden beaches and follow the Camino de Rondas, which are very scenic and, and you know enjoyable to follow. So we highly encourage that, actually. But then you need to have your map, of course, at hand because, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, you know, that just sounds so great, you know, especially if you're new to hiking, you know, your body's always aches after your, you know, your first few days. If it is spring and the, you know, the sea's a bit chilly, that's just going to be great for your body to help recover, you know, get some cold water on your legs. Um, uh, well, you know, this, this sounds like a great option for people who are looking for something outside of the peak summer season and want some warm weather without, you know, having to go and, and really, uh, uh, you know, kill themselves with really challenging trekking. Um, I'm really interested how uh, this led to, you know, kind of a life of doing a lot of these treks. So after you've, you you finished the GR92, you know, what did, what did you look at? Like, you know, did you have a bucket list of other treks you wanted to do? Or, you know, how did this develop that you've done, you know, done more of these? 
Well, like normally we have uh, a list of hikes in the beginning of the year that we'd like to do uh, throughout the year. And most of them we do in summer season. So it's like very heavily packed with hiking. Uh, and to us back then, yeah, it was just the great start of, great big start of uh, lots of hiking adventures that we had um, then uh, after that. Um, and I think the, the next year we were like ambitious enough to plan the tournament one <laughs> and then Via Francisiana, the part of it. And it was like a huge, uh, long journey of four months when we just lived in the tent and, you know, lived this kind of lifestyle, very different from <laughs> uh, normal uh, life, right? I'm interested in the Via Francisiana. So did you do the complete room from, uh, route from Canterbury to Rome? No, no, no. Uh, we did the part um, starting from Aosta Valley uh, to Tuscany, right? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, we hiked the Via Francigena in Tuscany, so most mm, most of the distance. But we started in Aosta, then we kind of stopped and continued back in Tuscany. So because we were very interested in this region of, of Italy. And what, how did you find walking in Tuscany? You know, a lot of people. Uh, go cycling there, but it's not not as well known for walking, and I, I think that's a shame because it is just a, almost a perfect region for, you know, for walking, connecting these beautiful villages and stuff. But I've I've never done the Via Francigena, so I'm interested to hear what you thought about it. I think it's definitely um, made for walking too, so you can do also uh, the same as with, with Camino. You can go with by the horse, by bike, or just by feet, but. Um, I think definitely one tip is to avoid the summer season. <laughs> this is something that we didn't do and we didn't realize how hot it can be there. <laughs> Even hotter thing than in Spain. So to us, it was like a killing time, but we already planned it. So we had to go, you know, <laughs> with the plan. But um, otherwise, it, if it was in spring, we, you know, we watched a lot of also other videos in spring and it's the best season, I think, to hike there and to experience also lots of culture, history, little medieval villages. And it's just awesome. Yeah, for that very enriching experience. And then, you know, is, is a day on the Via Francigena, you know, is, is it one where you're just devoted to walking all day or do you kind of go and explore little hilltop villages and take breaks? Like what, what was your experience like? Because I know some people, they, you know, they don't walk as much as just kind of get to see the sights of each village they go through. They just walk in between the, yeah, uh, the exploring. Uh, I think this is partly what we, what we've done. So we stayed at the campgrounds and if there was uh, some place we fancied, so we decided, okay, why not to stay uh, a night, a couple more, right there, and yeah, just to explore the town around, visit some museums, or yeah, just to, you know, enjoy the environment, try some local food, and yeah, just this is one of the best things you can do. I mean, during the trail, if you have uh, time for that, of course. Definitely. Now, now you've done some incredible uh, treks, you know, at the start of kind of your trekking career. W what's on your bucket list now? Like, what are you thinking of or places you want to go that have piqued your interest? Definitely Norway comes to, to mind. Uh, we didn't plan anything specific, but this is one of the destinations we think it is perfect for hiking. So we'd love to get there you know, someday, maybe this summer. But what we've planned already is uh, going uh, along the Portu Portuguese coast, actually, doing uh, Rota Vicentina, 
I don't know what's yeah. Uh, and Camino dos Faros, it's on the Galician coast. Um, and then maybe doing some Picos de Europa, um, yeah, exploration there. Where's Where's Costa Europa? I don't know that. Mm, Picos de Europa. Oh, Picos de Europa. Okay, yeah. I I think it's well, it's in Spanish, but. <laughs> Uh, wow, those those are all. I, I know some people who have done the Portuguese uh, regions you're going to, uh, and I just all I ever hear is people they just say they love it. Just the the Portuguese coast is just everyone says how great it is, how friendly people are. It's you know really affordable. It's got great food and just the views are incredible. So uh, that, that's why we're attracted to it. Yeah, I think that's. I'm jealous. Uh, well, Angela, it's been great to learn a little bit about the GR92 and and just you know. Uh, kind of like sounds like an undiscovered gem, and then hearing a bit more about Via Francigena, which uh, I think over time is gonna gonna start to equal the Camino, just because it has this beauty of going through Tuscany and uh, having this you know great food and ending you know ending in Rome. It has a different feel to it, yeah. Uh... So I, I want to say thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing sharing your experience and your trips. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. It was a pleasant talk and I'd love to have another one maybe sometime. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And for anyone listening that wants uh, some more uh, inspiration, uh, you should definitely check out uh, Angelina's YouTube or Instagram or even Facebook channels. Uh, the handle is Walking Nature World, uh, which is all one word. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, there's a ton of information. So if you have more questions, uh, there's a ton of information on the on the YouTube videos, which is really great to you know start to think and plan plan your trip. Um, and with that, thanks for listening to this first episode of 2023. Uh, we'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures on the 10 Adventures podcast. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10adventures.